episode of rank and review this is an interesting episode because uh, we had a lot of friends gathered together all at once so you're gonna hear a few voices this week you're gonna hear my voice your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons and you're gonna hear returning guest Scott Lehman one of my closest and longest lasting most dearest friends in the world as well as your rank and review champion Lee Beckman is going to make a brief appearance for the first few reviews of the podcast and at the end we're going to have a super brief appearance from Karen Lisa who again I've known as long as I'm alive and who is kind of responsible for my fixation with the horror genre. Yes all of these people were all in town all at the same time because they wanted to come and see the test screening of my motion picture book of trespasses. That's right I made a movie you guys. I uh, produced, wrote, and co-directed it, and um, we were all in town together to see the test screening. So, you have a bunch of voices. The subject this week is genre comedy, so you have a bunch of setups and premises that would be typically used for science fiction and horror that in this case is being used to generate laughs. As usual, I hope you go into the podcast expecting spoilers and expecting some coarse language. And as usual, if you have feedback to give me, you can do that by writing me at rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Check out the website at rankandreview.ca and please tell a friend about the podcast. Without further ado, welcome to genre comedy with Scotland. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 123rd episode of Rankin Review. One, two, three. It's a special, special evening. Uh, I've got my dear friend Scott Lehman in the garage. And at least for a little while, we'll have a current Rankin Review champion, Lee Beckman. About to be dethroned. <laughs> About to be dethroned. Dun, dun. <laughs> Them's big words. Those are fighting words. Uh, and also, uh, in the interest of posterity, we're talking, we're having this conversation on the eve of the premiere of my feature motion picture, Book of Trespasses. Yay! My two friends have traveled great distances, not just to record this podcast, but to see a new movie written by, by me and co-directed by me. I just, so uh, as this episode, like all episodes of Rankin Review, is brought to you in part by the feature motion picture, Book of <laughs> Trespasses. Watch it, or you're an idiot. 
That's 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 probably not the best way to sell. I'm still working on the advertising campaign. <laughs> for that's the, not the tagline on the poster. It's also it's also highly unavailable right now. <laughs> you can't really find it streaming or or, or in a physical copy. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the tagline should be little yellow <laughs> different. It's good. It's great. It's fine. Yeah. Book of Trespasses. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not Freddy Got Fingered. <clears throat> Happily, we're not here to talk about Freddy Got Fingered, but we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. <actually. laughs> Although it is a horror movie in its own right. Uh, today, we're talking about the genre, I guess, of uh, genre comedy, as I'm calling it. These are all premises that you would find in horror movies or science fiction movies, but instead of using them for thrills, they're trying to get laughs out of them. And we're going to decide how successful or unsuccessful <laughs> they were. You chose this list out of many lists, Scott. Why are we here? Why are we doing this? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I chose it because, uh, well, the first time I did the classic slashers with you, which I'm a fan of, and yeah. then we did remakes, of which I'm also interested by. Uh, comedy, I've, I feel I'm a fan of comedy and horror, and the genres really complement each other, or can at times. And... Uh, I guess I hadn't seen three of these films before, so it kind of gave me a reason to check out some new stuff. But uh, that's kind of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be uh, fun to chit-chat with you about this kind of movie. When you really get it done right, when you get your Ghostbusters or your Tremors or your Zombieland or your Attack the Block... Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. It is really the chocolate and peanut butter of cinema. Like They really do complement each other. But uh, I think it's a trickier thing to pull off than you'd think. Like, if you go too funny, then the thrills kind of lose their weight. And if you go too harsh, the comedy seems kind of cold by contrast, right? We just watched somebody die a brutal death, and now we're supposed to, you know, giggle at a fart joke? What's happening now? Is it fair to say Evil Dead 2 and Shaun of the Dead, are they the, maybe the prime top two? They'd definitely be in that conversation for me anyway. But like I said, the yeah. first time I watched Evil Dead 2, because I was nine, yeah, I thought house. it was fucking terrifying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you can't leave Ghostbusters out of that conversation. No, absolutely. Fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like I said, for everyone that hits, there's a bunch of other ones that sort of came and went. And there's more than a few of these, I think, on this list, arguably. I mean, we can we can have that conversation. Um, so, why is it that you know we will worship Ghostbusters and we will worship Tremors? But you know, for instance, off of this list, both The Watch and R.I.P.D. have a fair grade of stink on them. At least if you talk to the critics, um, I don't always agree with the critics. I think you're going to find that out today. But <laughs> um, yeah, here we are. We're here. We're queer. Let's do it. Yeah. Ma are, are we queer? <laughs> Major congratulations also on the movie tomorrow. Thank yeah, you, man. That, that's thank phenomenal, you, and I I can't wait for this. It's uh, very very excited for this. Yeah, me too. Like I I just gotta say that I'm so proud of you. A lot of people can, you know, can talk the talk, but you literally have walked the walk. You have made a full length feature film and but only to legitimize myself as a podcaster see that makes me feel even like <laughs> small and shallow fuck you <laughs> well otherwise before now i was just some douchebag bitching about movies <laughs> on the internet now i'm a filmmaker so my opinion is legit <laughs> yo but no 
Seriously, I'm I'm also very very excited for you, and I can't wait for tomorrow night. Well, Thanks proud of you, man. It's uh, following yeah. a, towards a dream. You had set a goal, you reached it, and like I've heard you say before, um, if there's something you have a dream to, something you want to do, you just got to try it. You got to do it, and uh, I I believe that 100. percent As far as we way. know, we're only here once. And the mortality rate remains at one hundred percent. If you don't get, if you don't take that shot, you're gonna kick yourself for the yeah. rest of your life. No one, I never do it this time, just in case. Right? This is an inspirational fucking podcast. Yeah, yeah. we're here to inspire and yes. talk about Ben Stiller movies. <laughs> yes. Ooh. So thank you guys for sucking my dick like that. I do appreciate just it. Just please I'm, don't get any in my eye. <laughs> I do appreciate you guys being here. And tomorrow, leave easy with the teeth. It's really weird. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's Please don't hit your head today. <laughs> we don't need this out here. Don't talk with your mouth full. Uh, <laughs> it's weird being uh, sitting here. The getting day blown before. by two guys. <laughs> getting, getting blown by two of my best friends. No, honestly, sitting here, and tomorrow will be a day that I'm pretty sure I will remember for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I know that now. I know that tomorrow is a day that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And that's just a weird precipice to be on. I mean, I'm pretty sure tomorrow will be a pretty decent day, but it, it, it's going to go how it's going to go. But like it's, you're showing your baby to the world? And exactly. I if your baby's angry. ugly or not. <laughs> that's right. Hopefully, my friends will lie to me and tell me I have a pretty baby. <laughs> but I'm a proud father, and I think that the baby is gorgeous. <laughs> I'm going to eat the placenta. <laughs> and it just got weird. <laughs> All right. Should we talk about the six movies we're going to discuss? Uh, I don't know where this I think we should pick. Going. I think we need a new six <clears throat> movies. Yeah. Because if, if you've listened to Scott and I's remake episode, you know what great fans we are of Ryan Reynolds. We had to talk about another Ryan Reynolds movie. So here we're going to discuss R.I.P.D. Unfortunately, his shirt's on like this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's really it's irritating. But... That, that's where the critics really hated it. <laughs> We're going to talk about The Addams Family Values, the sequel to the unexpected blockbuster that was The Addams Family. We're going to talk about Nothing, which what? is a Canadian film <laughs> from the director of Cube. We're going to watch the R-rated strange comedy <laughs> The Watch, starring Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, and Richard Aoadi, uh, people who like the IT crew that british sitcom would know him he's also directed a couple of movies he's a weird interesting fellow we're going to talk about tim burton's out there film dark shadows and we're going to finish with an even more out there film this is the end so that's the six genre comedies we're going to be talking about this night thank you for being here gentlemen let's do this let's hit it come on we are the greatest law men that ever lived and died. Now, some souls hide out among the living. Damn, I don't know what else to shoot you between. There's something else. You don't look like you, you don't sound like you anymore. So what do I look like? Really, an old Chinese guy? What about you? Well, I guess you win, Roy. Stanley Nowicki. We're with the Department of Health. Who's your 
you might be dead. You can back there if you want. My tree. No, I'm not, I'm not going near that. Notice what pretty durable still hurts. I've never seen that before. If the dead take over, that's it for the living world. They picked the wrong venue to make a stand. This world's for the living, and RIPD is gonna keep it that way. So in 2013, there was a comic book adaptation called RIPD, starring Deadpool himself, Ryan Reynolds, and the dude, Jeff Bridges. Um, and it was a box office disappointment, and it was critically molested. <laughs> like, people were brutal and unkind to the movie. So I didn't rush to it. I ended up picking it up fairly cheap at Walmart, watching it one day. And I got while I was watching it that this was not an amazing movie. But what I didn't get is where the rage was coming from, where the hate was coming from. What I would say to you is, imagine a world in which Men in Black didn't exist. <laughs> See, that's the problem. And you watched R.I.P.D. What would you think of it? I found it hard to imagine that world because Men in Black does, does exist. exist. And I remember every minute I'm watching this movie, I'm remembering the first time I seen this movie, it was called Men in Black. <laughs> and I couldn't get that out of my head. And, and how much better Men in Black was it at telling the story and doing what it did, I, I personally thought. With this cast, it should have been able to be more. Performed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not different enough from the Men in Black universe. I'm not sure as far as the, the original comic books. They're both based off of comic books, which predated what? But the worlds are incredibly similar. Uh, there's an underground world of, you know sci-fi aliens in space that we're unaware of that happens right underneath our noses and these guys investigate it and in this case there's the world of the undead ghosts demons and there are these killed police officers who have to round up these errant souls it's the same premise with a different villain or a different MacGuffin or a different sort of centerpiece um but honestly, that's the problem with the movie in a lot of ways to me. I, I like the way the baddies wolf out. They look normal until they take off their charm and then they until look they, super fucked up. They have to smell Indian food? Yeah, there's this weird cumin thing. If they smell a certain kind of Indian powder, it, that makes them wolf out. And there's interesting small <laughs> details to the universe. Where did they get that idea? <laughs> what are we going to have? How do these guys wolf out? What's the weirdest thing that we eat? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and another problem that, or complaint con constantly sort of thrown at the movie is actually Jeff Bridges. A lot of people say that he's hard to distinguish in this movie. I mm. think that he spat out a few of the marbles that were in his mouth from True Grit. I think he's mm. actually easier to decipher in R.I.P.D. than he is in True Grit. There's a few scenes in True Grit where you honestly need the subtitles on to understand him. He's still, I still think it's a great and, and charming performance. Mm -hmm. I think, I guess the issue is because it was so quickly after True Grit that he did this, is that it's almost the same performance. It's almost Jeff Bridges in autopilot. For me, I, I'll watch Jeff Bridges in autopilot because sure. I would watch him read the phone book. <laughs> but uh, it, he was not stretching himself. Because it's Jeff Bridges, you want a little bit more. You want. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Always a welcome presence of Mary Louise Parker. 
One of the more fuckable octogenarians that we <laughs> classy, classy Parsons. <laughs> that's that's a fucking Hallmark card, Hallmark card waiting to happen. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'd like to dedicate this episode to the Me Too. <laughs> and. Cut. <laughs> I've never seen a podcast get cancelled before. I just roseanned my podcast. Oh my lord. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking? You, you know where this, where this movie really lost me though was the CGI. Yeah. I mean, it was just as soon as the movie starts, it shows one of the main bad guys all big and puffed out after he's obviously sniffed some Indian food as we all get. Yeah. But it was just so cartoony that immediately I'm out of the movie because yeah. it's I'm watching a cartoon. It's over-reliant on CGI generally and because the creatures we are seeing are humanoid at least we don't have that layer of separation from men in black where they're actually aliens so they can look like bugs and we don't question it they right. can look all spindly and weird. These ones are supposed to be just affected humans and as good as CGI has gotten they're not really good at convincing us of a fully animated human character yet. I mean, golems and the, you know, so there's exceptions along the way, but this movie wasn't here yet. But where I will defend some of the special effects is, for instance, the scene early in the movie where, spoilers, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds is killed, mm -hmm. he comes to in the middle of this action sequence. Yep. And everything is frozen. There's all of this still chaos around him, and he walks through it and sort of, you know, if anything, I guess maybe the weight of the situation wasn't being felt to him. Like, maybe he just seemed like he was in shock. I'd like to think, like, if I'd just been gunned down by my partner and was experiencing the afterlife, that maybe I'd be upset or scared. Uh, Ryan Reynolds seems to go to the Keanu Reeves school for this one and just be like, whoa. Yeah, he, he bought into the situation fairly quickly. <laughs> But you believed it. Yeah, and I think it was visually well done. Way better than the bad guys. Because I will agree with you that once they wolf out and become these characters, it's like watching Shrek chase Ryan Reynolds down the street, right? Uh, you accept what you're watching because what choice do you have? But you don't really believe it. I, th I think for me the problem with R.I.P.D. is that it feels very, very generic. It's not even just that, you know, it's a clone of Men in Black... I, I never felt any real stakes. The, you know, the jokes, you know, I got were a couple chuckle worthy, but I didn't go like ha 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 ha. It just was mediocre, you know. And, and I, I I'll come back to my one of my sayings is one of the greatest movie sins is you're just sort of generic and you're forgotten about and go into the movie lexicon to be forgotten again. You're not even memorably bad. Yeah, um, it's just it's just just there do I think that it deserves all the the hatred no I think part of it was was he was a hundred million dollar film that was just meh but a lot of Hollywood films these days mm -hmm. are 100 million meh yeah so well and the other frustrating thing is when a movie thinks it's maybe a little bit smarter than it is yeah like m maybe they somehow had these forest for the trees blinders on that they didn't realize they were kind of just remaking men in black mm -hmm. but then what you have here is a fish-out-of-water buddy comedy, right? Yeah. And, geez, we've never seen a fish-out-of-water buddy comedy before, have we? <laughs> yeah. Right? I also kind of got the sense that they sort of put the reins on Ryan Reynolds a little bit. 
Um, I mean, he's still sort of that high energy, witty Ryan Reynolds, but I, I think they should have just untethered him and let him go wild. Like, you've got Jeff Bridges and you're sort of eccentric lawman from the Wild West. Yeah. So you're saying if you took the PG constraints off. Yeah. And let him just go nuts. Like This, this could a, have been an interesting R-rated movie, perhaps. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. And maybe it wanted to be a little scarier than it was. And generally speaking, the stakes needed to be more than they were. Like I said, if he was not just disappointed and desperate to get back with his girlfriend, but horrified. Or the fact that his partner, played by the increasingly sinister Kevin Bacon, by the way, he's been playing a lot of villains lately, mm-hmm. and he's pretty good at it, I think. I, I think if he was like genuinely hurt by yeah. this, you know, he's been his partner for five years, mm-hmm. and then he got fucking gunned down. I am like, like, uh, yeah, obviously I can understand wanting the revenge, but maybe if we felt that relationship more, um, it was really. Again, it's also an origin movie, so they have this world to set up, these yeah. characters to introduce, and then a bad guy for them to fight. Yeah. So it's a big rush to the finish line. Yeah. So either you stretch it out, and then it becomes this bloated two, two and a half hour thing, which I don't think no. would help it. <laughs> no. Or, you know, you put the pedal to the metal, and the style takes over, which is, I think, closer to what ended up happening. You know the movie that I kept on thinking of when I was seeing this for the first time, that I wanted it to be, was Beetlejuice. Right. That was mm. the film I, I, I kind of was like, oh, you should go in that vein. Which is why I kind of get back to the whole, they should have let Ryan, Ryan Reynolds just loose. I know, he, I guess he was the straight man out of the two, because you had Jeff Bridges and that lawman mentality. But you're right, we, we, it, True Grit is not that far off. Um, yeah. So it was it's just essentially like, the same character. And I think yeah. if you're letting Ryan Reynolds be your straight man, you're kind of, you're missing out on, <laughs> on something that you could be capitalizing on yeah there are moments where the movie lights up for me i do like mary louise parker and i, do... I think you've made that clear yes <laughs> yeah awkwardly yeah, clear I, I was gonna say um larry do you want to say anything <laughs> else about mary louise parker thank you when she uh, billy goaded him that's right yeah. I, I i'm looking at scott's goatee and thinking billy goat <laughs> if, if my wife is listening she started billy goading me after that movie she has to the film right. did make me, in all honesty, I did laugh once, and I did mark it down. Um, you know, Jeff Bridges is talking about when he remembered watching his corpse being ravaged by coyotes. Yes. And they made love to his skull. And Ryan Reynolds said, I, well, I hope they got both eyeballs, or both eye holes. <laughs> yeah. And I did chuckle. Yeah. So so the movie did make me laugh. It may have been once, but I did I did laugh at that one. Yeah. I, I, I have a question, Donnie. I, I want to bring it back. What the fuck is Billy Goating? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mary Louise Parker, who's had a crush on the Jeff Bridges character, I think we there's an implication of a real relationship that they, they had used something to have. in the past. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's so impressed with him saving the world that she buys him a new hat, leans in, which what looks like she's gonna kiss him, and bites his goatee and sort of shakes it. <laughs> and then he kind okay. of looks shocked at, at Ryan Reynolds and says, "She really goes." <laughs> Yeah, so we've introduced that to our love making. Sorry. <laughs> Trying to get the visual image out of my head yeah. now. Now you're just picturing my. You can't look at me anymore. I can't, dude. <laughs> you turn around and I want to get closer. Um, but what I will say is, as a time passer on like a lazy Saturday afternoon, if you're channel surfing and you hit on IPD, there are much fucking worse things to watch. I'm not sure why there was this much hate thrown at it. Maybe because of the amount of money they spent on it, or like 
that maybe people thought there was something cynical. They just figured Ryan Reynolds plus Undead plus Jeff Bridges equals profit. Do you know what what was Ryan Reynolds coming off of before this? Probably one? Green Lantern or some oh, shit. Yeah, okay. yeah, he was kind of, yeah, he was coming on a bit of a downturn. Uh, the Deadpool had not come out yet anyway. Well, yeah. this was a, that's exactly when we watched this. It was a Saturday afternoon movie for the family. Um, I know Lee rushed out opening weekend to see in the theaters, right? <laughs> My wife actually rushed to the opening weekend. It was her turn. <laughs> but, you can love Ryan Reynolds too. Our love yeah. of Ryan Reynolds has been well documented. Oh, you've seen Amityville, haven't you? Yes, I have. <laughs> we're going to watch that right after we've done the podcast. You're welcome, Canada. <laughs> but yeah, we watched this with the kids and the wife on a Saturday afternoon. And it, it was, like you said, it was fine. Yeah. Um, a teenage boy... It's it's fine for them. Yeah. I asked my son after, did you like that? He said, yeah, it was pretty good. And a teenage boy is pretty easy to impress with the movie. And he said it was, it was pretty good. So a 13-year-old boy, is, it's fine. That's probably, Except my son's actually not 13. <laughs> that's probably what my unenthusiastic <laughs> review of it. If someone asked me, what did you think of our IPD? I it's would say, fine. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah. enough? Good enough. I, no, I got my $5 worth out of it. <laughs> okay, good. It's an Adam's. He has my father's eyes. Gomez, take those out of his mouth. He's an adorable little baby. Fine. Rub it in. Children, why do you hate the baby? We don't hate him. We just want to play with him. Especially his head. You'll meet someone, someone very special. Someone who won't press charges. Isn't he a lady killer? Acquitted. Women must follow you everywhere. Store detectives. And the stork flew down from heaven and turned into a baby. Our parents had sex. <laughs> so speaking of uh, Men in Black, that film was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, he got that gig after a couple of successful box office hits, those being The Addams Family and The Addams Family Values. And these were sort of big tentful special effects movies wrapped around a sort of kitschy 60s TV show. But it way overperformed in the box office. A, because I think in the original movie the gags were quite funny and it was quite the visual spectacle. Like, before directing these movies, Barry Sonnenfeld was the director of photography for these guys, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Never heard of him. <laughs> right? So he knows how to move a camera. He knows what he's doing. But he's more to the Sam Raimi sort of kinetic, visual aggressive school than the Cohen brothers' more composed thing. So uh, in the director's chair, he can really, really hit things out. When he hits movies like the first Adams Family movie and Men in Black, we can, you know, all throw a party. When he does Wild Wild West, <laughs> or Men in Black 2, not so much. So I guess to start, I would ask, is Adam's Family Values closer to Wild Wild West or closer to Men in Black? <laughs> <laughs> These are the trying questions of our times. Yeah, I don't know if it's either of those things. Um, I don't know, I found... I was actually looking forward to seeing this again because I hadn't seen it for quite a long time. And I remember the first time I seen it, my memory of it was that I rather enjoyed it. Yeah. 
and I, and I found it it didn't age as well as I had hoped. Watching this was a Sunday afternoon movie. <laughs> I had to cram these in. Uh, I don't know. It just it was very set up joke, set up joke, set up joke uh, through the whole thing, and and none of them really hit for me again. And I'm not sure if it's just because of the aging of it, or maybe because of I've I've aged. Yeah. And I think maybe that plays a part in it as a parent now. In the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, Pugsley and Wednesday try three times to, to kill, ki- to kill a baby. Yeah, I would kill the new baby, that's right. And, yeah. and that's and that's supposed to be hilarious. <laughs> and I I think maybe it was funny when I seen it the first time as a kid. I couldn't find any humor in that. I just thought... Remember they put the baby's head in a guillotine? <laughs> yeah. And the blade comes down, the baby puts its hand up, and it stops the blade from... And that's funny, yep. I guess. I don't know, Larry's laughing. But, I, 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 I but, couldn't find any humor in that. I, I, I guess I did find a little bit like Edward Gorey macabre humor in it, and I knew it was a safe environment that this baby was never really going to be killed. Yeah. But... The, the interesting thing is, is in the first Adams Family movie where we see Wednesday put her brother in an electric chair yeah. and say, let's play, is there a God? That's hilarious. <laughs> it is. It is. Right? So I think the problem is, is that what we're seeing here is the same joke. Well, Christina Ricci remains the star of, of the film. I mean, it's her, it's her one-liners, if any ones, that do hit more often. She does deliver the deadpan absolutely brilliantly and she is a just precocious adorable wednesday adams but because i really liked her in these movies i have never been able to think of her as a sexual (laughs) creature so in her later career when she's always trying to be this sultry you know uh you know femme fatale it doesn't necessarily fly for me because i just think oh you're cute little wednesday adams your forehead's too big (laughs) (laughs) Well, I believe this movie starts with the delivery of the new baby. And it's in Adams. What's, what's his name? <laughs> Pu- Pubert? Yes. And uh, the baby has a pencil mustache. Yep. Because, Just like his old man. Because the dad has a pencil mustache, so that's hilarious. Yes. And the, and the family feels they have their hands full, so they're going to have to hire a nanny. Right? Yep. And, uh, enter Joan Cusack. Enter Joan Cusack at her full-on craziest. Mm-hmm. Joan Cusack is one of these actresses that people seem to have a love-hate reaction to. I she, don't understand that, though. She does tend to play it big. That tends to work for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> And if you're in an Adams Family sequel, I think you can definitely get away with that. Me as well. Yeah. Uh, and she, in a way, she's so big and over the top that she kind of fits in with the family. They kind of vibe off of her because she's just as crooked as they are. One of my favorite scenes of the movie is like in the climactic moments when she's hostaging the whole family and giving them her like Bond villain speech about why she's done this and all the people that she's killed. They're nodding in agreement with her and everything that she's saying. Like, they're deeply <laughs> compelled by this story, which is kind of charming in its own way. I think that the essential problem with the Adams Family Values is that there was no real reason to have for it to exist, right? Adam's Family made way more money than anybody anticipated it making, so that means we must make a sequel. And it was a bigger sequel, and it was a dumber sequel, but in a lot of ways it just felt like variations on the theme. It it really made no sense. But again, I go back to my, maybe I'm feeling in a more generous mood today, but I kind of feel the same way when we were talking about R.I.P.D. There's nothing terrible 
about this movie. Like, it's not actively awful or bad. In fact, it has a handful of really good lines, you know? Um, it's just nothing to get that excited about. I was going to say the same thing, actually, echoing the RIPD review. It, yeah. um, it, it, it's really great as is that it is generic. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't really stand out. In fact, I hadn't even thought about Adam's family values up until now since I last saw it. <laughs> There's some nice opportunities for humor. The kids go to summer camp, so you get to see how these two monsters get to deal with normal kids. And and but even there, it's all it's all, it's Wednesday. all Wednesday. Yeah, it's <laughs> she has one line. Something said she has one line. One fun, it was like, Daddy, they made us sing. Yes. But, <laughs> it was a nightmare. Uh, I also have always liked, and this is true in both movies, the intense sexual energy between Angelica Houston and Raul Julia. Yeah. You get the feeling like even though this is a PG movie, there are there are days where mom and dad just fuck on the dinner table <laughs> in front of everybody. <laughs> like, there's even that line. In Pugsley, the- get the camera. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But there's a line, I don't remember what the setup is, uh, some kid tells Wednesday that the, the store delivered her. Right. And Wednesday just called Lee said, our parents had sex. sex. <laughs> <laughs> like, she really knew what she was talking about. It, and it was lines like that. It made me wonder who this movie is made for. <laughs> right. Because is it made for is it made for kids? Or is it made for fans of the 60s show? Because there was a lot of sexual humor in this film. <laughs> for, for the rating that it had. I don't know if it would be rated the same now. But uh, uh, there, was, there was a few... Mentions of masturbation by uh, <laughs> Christopher Lloyd's character. What's his name? Um, Lurch. No, no, um, no, no, no. Lurch is the the it, big the cousin. Oh my God, Jeez. Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester. That's it. You know when she's t- he's talking to Joan Cusack and she says, "Fester, I'm a virgin." You know what that means? It means you've never had sexual pleasure. And he says, "Oh, oh, you mean with a partner? Oh, me too, then." <laughs> uh, you know. And his brother Gomez talks about you know having a partner. He says, "Well, you've got it." <laughs> oh yeah, but that's not enough. I want a head, body, and it goes with. Uh, I don't. There are a few moments that I just really. This seems more than. Uh, <laughs> little I'm, little steamier than PG maybe would have asked for. It's all it's all innuendo. I mean, it, it's it was a movie that uh, I think it's fine for like you said. It's a this one's a Sunday afternoon movie that you can watch while you're on your phone checking Facebook, yeah, uh, scrolling through other stuff. Uh, the, the climax of the movie, I'm not sure exactly what happened. It kind of it doesn't really make a lot of sense. The baby falls through the floor yeah. and and recircuits the wires somehow magically. And, he uh, either somewhere between chance and his just Adam's energy manages to save the entire family. But it, there's this whole slapstick sequence where he slides down the stairs, the banister falls through a hole in the floor, and always miraculously manages not to get hurt and always land in the exact place where he needs to help the situation. And honestly, my kids would think that was fucking hilarious. But in my 40s, I'm like, yeah. I maybe get that's it. where I was. Yeah. When I see this, I was maybe your kid's age. Yeah. And again, if your father was younger, that would have been hilarious. The baby flying through the air and landing just perfectly where he needs to escape, still smiling. Again, it's it's good shtick. It's baby's day out. But we've seen it before, and that's maybe some sort of goofy humor for the kids in the audience. I think we need to find a 12-year-old's podcast <laughs> and see them review this movie. And... 
Well, we're, maybe we're, we are getting kind of old. We aren't the target mo- audience for these movies anymore. And maybe that's starting to show on us, maybe. too. Just maybe true. we are getting old. But again, I keep going back to this. I don't, I don't hate this movie. Like, no. I think Angelica Houston was sort of born to play this character in a lot of ways. She's yeah. got that sexy, sultry but energy. Even, but even her, her jokes were the same kind of variation on, oh, it's, it's horrible. I love it. Yeah, don't say, torture oh, yourself, Gomez. That's my job. Yeah, yeah, how do you feel? Oh, I feel awful. Isn't that great? Yes. Just, you know, just the same variation on that. Same as, you know, Wednesday. It's uh, <laughs> just something dark. The new nanny, they're interviewing nannies. One says, uh, do you know how to prevent forest fires? And she says, why would I want to prevent one? And she lights a match or something. And, you know, it, it with is... Fort McMurray, it's kind of too soon still. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It was good to see Ralph Julia, though. It's always good to see Raul Julia. Yeah. I wish his last movie wasn't Street Fighter. I wish it was Adam's Family Values. You know what? Shush you. Street Fighter is gold, baby. There's what never been a bad movie You can based defend Bloodsport if you want, but I will not have it for Street Fighter. At least there's no homoerotic scenes. Uh, there was one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, I think one other thing that has changed since when this movie came out. These were special effects extravaganzas when they came out. Okay, almost 20 years later, they're still special effects movies, but they're not cutting edge. Thing, the the disembodied hand yep. running all around yep. the house at that time was like, how in the world are they doing that? And yeah. now it's a little bit less so. Yeah. So I think that the wow factor has diminished a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the jokes still work well enough. The world and environments are still credible enough. It's over the top, but in a knowing way, it's, it's harmless. So once again, it's fun. What the hell's going on? Welcome to nothing. This is paradise. No cars, no freeways, no people. What was that? This is some kind of joke, right? place where reality is questionable. Something's here and it's driving us crazy. And if we sit around doing nothing, we're gonna die. And fear is an absolute certainty. It's watching to see how we'll react. We can't stay here. This place is killing us. It's us! It's you and me! We're dead! We're the ones who are dead! Andrew! We can't be dead! We have cable! So believe it or not, Scott, I am a huge supporter of Canadian independent film. And I am a huge fan of Vincenzo Natale, who was the director and the co-writer of this movie, Nothing. I really liked his film Cube, and if you want to watch a fucked up sci-fi monster movie, there's this movie called Splice with Adrian Brody and Sarah Pauly, yeah, which yeah, is just that. like crazy and he makes weird fucked up Canadian. I didn't realize they made that yeah he makes weird fucked up Canadian movies and I respect that so here comes nothing with the same two lead actors uh, David Hewlett and Andrew Miller from Cube and they want to make this whimsical fantasy comedy and what I'd like to be doing right now is be saying they hit it out of the park it's completely a new like genre bending completely you know Charlie Kaufman can eat a dick, right? Uh, <laughs> metaphysical comedy about two lovable losers who learn some lessons that as much as they hate the world, they need the world. Uh, the problem is, is that that just isn't the movie that this is. 
And other than handing the critics a really large whip with which to beat the film by calling it nothing, mm-hmm. if I... If, if I honestly thought that this was a brilliantly accomplished thing where they were like, let's do a movie called Nothing that really offers nothing, right? That at the end of the day, when they realized <laughs> that their minds weren't blown, nor were they laughing, nor were they charmed, that the title will really lock into place and will hit yeah. home that we absolutely succeeded in making nothing and we're going to just let out this loud fart in the art house. But I don't believe that for a second. Yeah. I think they were trying to make a whimsical, charming fantasy, and they kind of just failed. I say that with no joy, but that's where I land on nothing. I, f- I agree. I found it... I really like the idea. Yeah. Like looking at the box, looking at the cover and the back, reading it, you know, reading a summary, I got intrigued by the idea. And uh, I even sold my wife on it. She was thought, well, you know, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I'll check this out. She won't watch a lot of movies that I watch because of the nature of, uh, of most of <laughs> the them. quality. <laughs> but she made it through half half of this movie. I'll give her credit. I looked over at her and she looked at me and she said, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and then I said, damn it, I have to watch the rest. <laughs> nah, damn you, Larry. Don't leave me here. There a couple of times, even before she left, I looked at her and said, fucking Larry. <laughs> The idea is is interesting. I th- I think yeah. it, there's potential. I just don't think the execution was was there. No. Um, uh, there's a few things they could have done to help themselves, but in the end, I think, and they even mentioned this if you watch the documentary on the disc that like they met, they wanted to do the project, they came up with the idea, but the struggle was how do we stretch this idea into a feature, <laughs> right? Well, the answer was maybe either you don't. <laughs> or, or they and, needed more time to workshop it because all they have is the concept. These two guys who aren't super likable, by the way, no. <laughs> who are kind of using each other and an- antagonizing to each other, but still live a life as if they're best buds and roommates. But there's a lot of resentment there. Just generally speaking, there's a lot of resentment. Uh, so much so that they seem to, between the two of them, harness some sort of metaphysical power where... The things that they hate just go away. And consequently, they wake up one morning and everything outside of their house is gone. And how do you pad the time, as you said, to, to a feature length is by endless... Arguments? Arguments and scenes of them bouncing. Yes. And that that is the scenes where I think I lost, I lost my wife yeah. as my viewing partner. Because it seemed, it seemed minutes upon minutes would go by of them going... Boring, 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 <laughs> just bouncing and bouncing endlessly and, and going, whoa, whoa. And it, it really got tiresome. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, we're spending 90 minutes plus looking at nothing. Um, there's no scenery. There, it's just a white blank screen. And and if we're not giving something visual to look at, stimulate us with the dialogue. But they aren't doing that either. And, and I found it... I found it a chore to get through, honestly. And here's the thing. Another one of those things, like, I, if I play through the patience and I say, okay, they're going to find this epiphany, like, there's some key to their relationship they need to understand about each other that will make this make sense, or they'll realize that they need to love the world at least a little bit to bring it back. It's amazing how none of that happens. <laughs> the movie has no resolution. It, the fact that the characters don't win is not disappointing. There's no sense of ennui. It's just like I kept on waiting for a payoff that this was going to be like the movie's grand finish or yeah. at least punchline. Uh, the, and there's 
Nothing. Nothing. And, Nothing. and now it's over. And then credits. And so, oh, okay, so now it's over. Now I can go to bed. <laughs> so here's the thing. There's, there's this thing in Hollywood they say that you should really be suspicious of movies that everybody involved in it had a fucking blast making. Apparently the original Ocean's Eleven, not the George Clooney Ocean's Eleven, but like the, the Rat Pack Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. uh, everybody was like completely soused and drunk and it was just an excuse to hang out for a couple <laughs> weeks in Vegas. And as a result, the original is not that well loved. In fact, by all accounts, the remake of Ocean's Eleven is way better movie, right? Adam Sandler always gets all his friends together to make these <laughs> grown-ups movies, yeah. right? And they have a Bloody blast movie. making those movies and he gets to hang out with his buddies and drink beers. And they film them in Hawaii or it's a I'm, vacation. I'm sure Vincenzo Natale and these two actors had a blast workshopping this this idea and stretching it out into a movie and, and, and creating this environment in this green screen room. I'm glad they had fun. But unfortunately, I did not. <laughs> and I wanted to. Like, I am a fan of Vincenzo, generally speaking. I like that he's a Canadian filmmaker and that he stayed in Canada. You would think after things like Cube and Splice, someone would be trying to romance him into the <clears throat> excited states, right? And it's a risky movie he made here. So, like, it is. it's kind of bold. And but... I kind of want to give him points for taking a chance because this is riskier than an Adam's Family sequel. It's, right? <laughs> it's riskier than a Men in Black ripoff. It's, it's a different idea. And <clears throat> there were points where it, it sort of almost intrigued me. The exact moment that I'm thinking about is when they go back to their house and there's sort of a a strange sequence where they go into the house after they've gone for a walk. They come back to their house and one of the guys sees himself in the house sawing off his best friend's head. Head. Like they walk in the house, he sees a puddle of blood and then he looks and he he sees an image image of himself sawing off his friend's head. And then he holds up the severed head and then he wakes up and then his friend has the same vision and for that moment, I kind of perked up in my seat a little bit, thinking, okay, wait, maybe now there's a twist. This is almost getting Twilight zone Yeah. Thinking, okay, now maybe something different is going to happen. There's more to this. But they never really revisit that and no. go down the route. Because at that moment, I started to think, okay, now there actually is something here that's... Do you, you know what I mean? Did you I do, feel like I do, you? but I do think it's frustrating because it's an unsolvable puzzle. Yeah, right. I like, thought at that point, maybe, I think they're trying to hint at something. There's something darker at work here. Yeah. But again, is it a movie about a bromance between these two guys, about how they hate each other, but they need each other, they depend each other, but they're actually toxic to each other? Or is it about mental illness? They're both clearly depressed, they both clearly hate everything, and their illness is somehow manifesting in the exterior world instead of, you know, within them. But none of those paths are actually leading anywhere. Like, they're basically nudged these ideas and then moved on to the next scene. And you're right, they're not really likable guys either. At all. One feeling I had early on is almost like they wanted, it's like the filmmakers wanted us to look at these guys almost like the guys in Dumb and Dumber. Right. Like lovable losers, and, uh, but it just, it they wasn't dress, it wasn't working. The way they dress up like the time bandits when they do their first exploration outside, I guess could have its own sort of goofy charm. But again, I'm not feeling the stakes here. You'd think there might even be a little bit of anxiety about this, right? <laughs> the candy bar scene? <laughs> yeah. Is that just, let's fill up a few minutes by the guy repeating candy bar, candy bar, candy bar, candy bar. Until he drives <laughs> his other guy fucking crazy, yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, they just wish their houses away. And then they start wishing each other's limbs away. Yeah. And then there's just these two, two bouncing, bouncing heads. heads in this vast nothingness trying to fight each other. And credits. It's hard to rank something when you're thinking about he took a swing. He had an idea that's... It's an interesting idea. He had he had a concept. But it's, yeah. But do you rank it on that or do you rank it on how enjoyable it was to, to watch it happen? Um, an idea just isn't enough. My friend Rob Reynolds and I just re-reviewed this movie Trucks, which is based off the Stephen King short story, which he did for Maximum Overdrive, right? The cars come yeah. alive and start killing people. And we talked about in that movie is that it never really got beyond that premise. It wasn't really about anything but cars <laughs> running into people, right? Nothing didn't get beyond its premise, but its premise wasn't as bluntly simple as cars running people over. It's like these guys' depression somehow managed to destroy the world, or these guys' relationship was so toxic that they destroyed each other, or, 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 yeah. or. In the end, it really is nothing, but it wasn't nothing on purpose. So that's what pisses me off about it. The most fun thing about this movie is the title. Yeah. Because I told you before that uh, <laughs> yes. I got my wife to watch this with me, and I went downstairs to where I watch movies, and I said, do you want to watch a movie with me tonight, honey? And she said, what are you watching? Nothing. <laughs> Fine. Don't tell me. No, I'm watching nothing. Okay, asshole, if you don't want me to watch it with you, I won't watch it. So that turned into a fight. No, but uh, that she came, she came down after. But it was uh, it made for some fun puns for a little while. That's funnier than anything that happened in the movie, though. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> like, ouch, ouch. Do you want me to watch it with you or not? It always hurts me to, to like kick like a small indie Canadian film like this because they're hard to make. It's not an easy, you know. It's not easy yeah. to make any movie. I'm also a low-budget game filmmaker, so if someone was talking shit about this, I mean... Yeah, I guess I know... what we're reviewing next week. Exactly. <laughs> I know that people poured blood, sweat, and tears into this, and I know that it was kind of, in a lot of ways, a risky movie to make, and I guess I can respect that, but respecting a movie and liking a movie, two different things. Maybe it could have been better done as a half-hour short, perhaps. Yeah. It I, wants I to be a short film. That's the essential problem. We're not going to let Glenview be ground zero for some alien invasion. We can't trust anyone. Look at his face. Look at my face. Look at his face and listen to me. Look at him and listen to me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at him and understand me. Look at both of us but understand no one. Listen to my words and hear his face. I found something. Nobody touches this ball until we figure out what it is. Whoa! Oh, jeez! That's terrible for the cow, but this thing's awesome. The first thing in war is lost is innocence. Yeah! Anything from outer space, kill it. Die! Die! This thing's a goner for sure. Who wants to snap it with the lizard man? Here we go. Oh, that looks good. The Watch. Here's another weird movie. Um, <laughs> this sort of does seem like a, one of those formulas. Like, if we get Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, and Jonah Hill, and Aliens, 
we got to go picture, <laughs> right? But there was a few kind of interesting choices that they made here. There's the addition of Richard A. Uaudi, who's like a, a British comedian, director, writer, intellectual weirdo. He's dude. the wild card in the movie, He right? is the wild card in the movie. And um, so that's kind of interesting. And they chose, whereas it would have been really safe and really much better for their box office to keep this nice and PG, <laughs> they decided to go the other way with this. So... People get their guts ripped out. People get their hearts pulled out of their bodies, and uh, lots be- of references to sexual fluids. Yes, uh, it's it, it's pretty blue. <laughs> um, so they they're allowed to sort of stretch it out into a more adult canvas, but the movie's kind of juvenile at the same time. <laughs> Kinda. Um, so those choices I respect. I like that they went R-rated. I like the inclusion of Richard Aoid. Here's the thing with Vince Vaughn. You are no longer allowed to play this part. You don't think? How many times have you seen Vince Vaughn play this part of a guy who's kind of a hothead, kind of a motor mouth, talks too much, but in the end of the day, his heart's in the right place. Once you get to know him, he's not as big of a fucking shit as he seems. Yeah, it's the same guy, but now now he's getting a little bit older. He's also a dad. He's a dad in this movie. <laughs> so his main reason for joining the neighborhood watch is, yeah, I want to get out, have a couple beers with the guys, you know, hang out, talk some shit. Yeah, yeah, he wants a friend. Yes, yeah. he's like this desperately lonely kind of pathetic guy. But you're right. It's Vince Vaughn doing what Vince Vaughn does in every at that, though, single movie. It's Ben Stiller doing exactly what Ben Stiller's got to do. Exactly. Unless he's being something wacky like Zoolander. This is Ben Stiller being his every guy. Yeah. Like, um, he's the bland hero, and also he's doing all of the work, because in a lot of ways, this film is an elaborate advertisement for Costco. <laughs> it's true. And it's like, I found the advertisement for Costco hilarious in this, because it almost, it was not subtle at all. At all. It was so on the nose, but the line of the movie really is at the end, when Ben Stiller's character says, Costco is for members only. Yeah. I mean, that's... It was so perfect. And uh, the alien telling him, well, you really do have everything, everything under we one need roof. under one roof. <laughs> Where else can you find everything under one roof? But I laughed. Because, and again, in a different time in my life, I would have been super cynical and critical about this fucking sellout bullshit. <laughs> but at least they used their cash money to make it funny. <laughs> they made it funny. Right? Uh because it all goes back to Book of Trespasses, right? We have a oh, sponsor- everything goes back to Book Absolutely. of Trespasses. We have a sponsor for our coming movie. theaters tomorrow. Absolutely, we have a sponsor for our movie called Lucky Bastard. They they <laughs> they make vodka and gin, and they're local producers. Okay, and it's all funny. This guy's being tortured, and the whole time he's being tortured, he's looking at this bottle that says Lucky Bastard. Nice. Right? So yeah, we have a little bit of advertising <laughs> in our movie, but it kind of like it works. It kind of fit into what we're doing, and we needed alcohol for the scene, and we didn't want to hide the mask, the label, right? So uh, if you're gonna do that, uh, you know, I can understand how that helps you, <laughs> and at least they made the Costco shit funny. Yeah, beyond the nose about it. It's not <laughs> yeah. you're not subtly drinking a can of Coke. It's uh, right in front. Ben Stiller's friend ends up getting murdered and he feels the need to start off this neighborhood watch he meets the then or sorry the vince vaughn character the motor mouth and this jonah hill character who still lives with his mom rejected by the police academy yeah he clearly seems like he's a little bit dangerous but if 
depending on how you point him. <laughs> if he was pointed in the right direction, he'll do great things for the power of good. But if left to go down a darker path, you know, shit would get weird. And then, yes, Richard A. Audi, who's, like, new to the neighborhood and really seems to want to get laid, yeah. but is, like, really nerdy and awkward. And uh... I have a scenario I'd like to see play out. Yes, exactly. Say, I come to a house, there's an Asian lady who wants to lick my balls. <laughs> which does play out for him. Which is nice to see. The movie works enough that I can say, yes, if you're in a mood to watch this movie, a movie about, you know, aliens... With this cast of characters, yeah, it works. It's not going to surprise you. It's one of those... Yeah, you know before you see it if you're going to like this movie. Yeah. If you're going to see a Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, Jonah Hill movie, you know what's rated R, yeah. and you know what it's about. Say, well, I'm going to like this, or I'm not going to like that. So um, it made me laugh, Yeah. Uh, and that, I guess that's its goal. The funny thing about it is the first time I seen it, all I had seen was a teaser trailer. Right. And in that teaser, it was the four of them riding in a car. I believe and they had some gangster rap or something, right. but it's Neighborhood Watch is all it said, something like that. It had no indication of aliens. I thought, oh, this will be fun. Ben Stiller is a Neighborhood Watch with Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch that, sure. Yeah. So in the first scene, when that Costco employee got just fucking blown away by, <laughs> turned into green slime or whatever, and there's blood splattered on the door, I, I didn't I had no idea that <laughs> aliens had anything oh. to do with this movie. I thought, okay, this is different. <laughs> um, I was... A little bit irritated that in order to kill the aliens, you have to shoot them in the penis. Yeah, yeah it's a little juvenile, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well. Didn't they use that as a gag not... in a Star Trek movie? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, uh, uh, that was a little bit on the nose, but I also found the scene hilarious where the alien kept on dying and coming back to life, dying and coming back to life because they hadn't shot it in the nuts yet. Yeah. That they, they just kept on shooting this dead alien on the ground over and over again. That was the one they found at uh, Arlie Emery's place. Emery's place, yeah. yeah. Who had a, he, he had a fun role. Yeah. Doing what he does best. First, shouting obscenities. <laughs> get off my property. And, ah, I'm being killed by an alien. <laughs> it's always good when he shows up in a film, though. <laughs> I miss that dude. He recently yeah. passed away. And uh, now every time I see him, I get a little pang of sadness. <laughs> oh, I, just, I just pour a little bit of vodka on Larry's garage floor, just in memory. Um, one of the things, you were right, like... Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn and Jonah Hill basically could have done this movie on autopilot. But I do think the one thing that works as far as the Vince Vaughn character, and again, I'm not saying he's bad in the movie. I'm saying he's played this role so many times, is this idea that he's kind of a loser. The Vince Vaughn cool is almost entirely gone. When he tries to, you know, stand up for his daughter, he ends up getting, like, completely humiliated yeah. by his daughter's boyfriend. And uh, all he has is this neighborhood watch to make himself feel good. So when he gets rejected by his buddies, uh, it really hurts him. He takes it real personally. Now, this definitely goes to the Judd Apatow school of comedy. Here's a bunch of guys and then they're friends. And then for a little while, they're not friends. And then they're friends, friends again. again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's, it's a fun package. Nobody overthought this movie. <laughs> but sometimes fun's enough. Again, like, we undervalue the, just the importance of entertainment. Like, is this the most amazing movie ever? No. It's a piece of entertainment. And that's, yeah, that's all they want to do. They want to make you laugh. 
Um, what I'm curious though, because they went so hard are with the language. I mean, they found the alien guts on the car when they ran into it. They crashed into an alien in, in a car, and and remember they're looking at their fingers saying, "This feels like it feels like cum." Yeah, here, feel this. I mean, stuff like that. And I start wondering, you know, if this movie was the the scenario of the movie, if it was made PG, would this one work for kids? You know, I don't know. Could they tone this one down to an RIPD level? Yeah. And would it be uh, acceptable? I enjoyed it because it was it was it was R. The R gave it some teeth, which I it appreciated. Did. I wonder though, what kind of movie would it have been if they? Uh, it's impossible to down? say, but I'm willing to guess that it will be a would be a less good one. <laughs> um, I also kind of liked spoiler that we find out that one of the members of the Watch is in fact one of the aliens, <laughs> and uh, you know it's kind of like I I. I felt like maybe I should have seen that coming, but I, I guess I didn't see it coming. And this, this is a strange scene because he gets he cuts his hand and it oozes like the aliens yeah. and oozed, and he extends his hand like in friendship and says, "Oh, go ahead, touch, touch my ooze." <laughs> and for some reason, that was like the grossest thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> for me and uh the way he's like well yeah our alien race is basically here to take over him but like i'm just along for the ride it's not really personal well what about the guy who killed my friend i knew that guy he was a cunt. <laughs> 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 it's just so blasé about the fact that they're gonna take over the world and again spoilers he decides he likes these watch guys better, so he shows up to help save the day and tells them how to kill the aliens. <laughs> and he's kind of funny because we don't really know this guy as far as the other three main leads. Yeah. We know what Jonah Hill is going to do. We know what Ben Stiller is going to do. But this, this guy, is this guy? Who, who's, if you don't know him, then yeah. say, well, who's he? <laughs> but, uh, no, he has some gem lines there. Um, for me, when the movie works best, it's when they're just hanging out. Right. And I'm wondering how much of that is scripted. When they're hanging out in the car doing their stakeout, they're I would say probably about fifty. They're talking about guess. you know Vince Vaughn's peeing in a beer can, and they're talking about how it's legal to or it's illegal to have an open beer in the car, and uh, they're singing some BTO as they're driving <laughs> yes. down the whole ride. I, I just love those scenes where they're just having fun together, yeah. and uh, and that's before they run into the alien. They're just saying, "You ain't seen nothing yet." <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. And, like, just them bonding over finding the alien body and, like, uh, hanging out with this dead alien in their rec room or this alien to think they're dead. Or they find the ultimate alien weapon where they all got to put their fingers in the hole and they're, <laughs> blowing, they're blowing shit up. <laughs> Here, put your fingers in this hole with me. I wanted to mention two performances. Doug Jones, who is, plays the hero alien and who's always the, the super tall, super slender guy who always fits in yeah. these monster suits. It's always great having him because he's really good at being a physical actual presence on you don't screen. need cgi you don't need cgi if you got doug jones and i appreciate that and i also have to mention of course will forte who plays, oh yeah who plays this cop what was his who, partner's name chichu yeah he <laughs> doesn't say a word if he dies horribly his brother his partner's heart falls out of his body and he tries to wedge the heart back in the hole it's gonna be okay it's i love i love when will forte shows up in films because i don't know it's something about him he, he's never gonna give you 80 percent. you're always gonna get 100 percent out of will forte. He, he's supposed to be the badass cop who's clearly not a badass cop at all and has no idea Completely. that he's not the badass cop and but i love like his contempt for the neighborhood watch like when they bring in the skateboarder 
yeah, yeah. to the police, and as soon as they leave, the skateboarder's like, what are you going to do? I'm not going to do anything. Those guys are losers. Go <laughs> Fuck <home."> off. <laughs> <clears throat> and again, under lesser hands, that part would not have been as interesting. He would have just been this asshole cop who we didn't like. But <laughs> he brought some scenery chewing to it, so... And directed by uh, one of the Lonely Island trio, isn't it? It What's is directed name, uh, by Akiva Schaefer. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Who also have a fun cameo during the uh, the orgy scene. <laughs> yes. Right where they're... That's another interesting card to play. There's a super creepy neighbor played by Billy Crudup who they're just super sure is an alien. Yeah, and they, they're playing it very obvious that, well, clearly he's the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> but he just wants to fuck everyone. <laughs> Billy Crudup wants to fuck everyone. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, it's, it's not trying to change lives here. It is, you look at the cover and it is what it is. It over performed for me and I like it was better than I thought it would be but I don't want to oversell it either the watch is exactly what you think it is and that's a good thing but it's not amazing <laughs> is that a good enough assessment but I did laugh out loud yeah yeah and that's what a comedy should do so my name is Barnabas Collins two centuries ago I made Collinwood my home my love until a jealous witch cursed me condemning me to the shadows for all time what the hell is this he's coming he's coming hear me future dweller what is the year 1972 1972. My beloved Collinwood. The Collins family. Who the hell is this? I'm a vampire, madam. Yeah. He's not staying with us forever, is he? I like him. Oh, super fat. Welcome home, Barnabas Collins. How soon can the horses be ready? We don't have horses. We have a Chevy. What sorcery is this? Reveal yourself, tiny songstress. Hello, Barnabas. Remember me? Which? You cursed me to be this hideous creature. You may strategically place your wonderful lips upon my posterior and kiss it repeatedly. What if I made you love me? With what a spell? With this. I must admit, they have not aged a day. She for real? Indeed. Okay, so here's the thing about Tim Burton. Like, I want to be a fan of Tim Burton, and a lot of the times I am a, a fan of Tim Burton. But he's been making blockbuster movies since, like, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Was that, like, 1987 or something like this? Great movie. Uh, it's a great movie. Don't, I'm not, I would never say anything bad about Pee-wee's Big <laughs> no. Adventure. Please, if that's what happened there, if yeah. anybody heard that, I apologize. When can we review that one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could we be talking about that right now? <clears throat> but, I mean, after the first ten years, he really had developed his voice so that you knew what a Tim Burton movie looked like. He's got a style, for sure. And after the second 10 years, I think he got all of the projects that he really wanted to do out of the way. And after the third 10 years, he started doing like <laughs> a lot of weird, questionable remakes and sort of riffing off of shit he liked. Dark Shadows would probably fall into this sort of category. It's based off of a late 60s, early 70s vampiric soap opera 
that five people watched. <laughs> and um, the main character, played by Johnny Depp, and the fact that it's Johnny Depp and Tim Burton, I'm sorry, it's the only reason that this movie exists. They both <laughs> wanted to do it. Uh, Johnny Depp is Barnabas Collins. He uh, is a rich, wealthy head of a family who runs a fishing industry in Maine who is betrayed by a witch. The witch kills his love, turns him into a vampire, and then buries him for hundreds of years, causing him to wake up in the now modern time frame of the early 1970s. Yeah, 1973. Um, so he reconnects with his family uh, and tries to rebuild his fortunes and has to deal with this witch once again. So we got some spooky stuff. We've got some funny stuff. There's... Almost echoes of Adam's family-ish humor to the eccentric family. But I found the movie neither particularly funny, nor particularly <laughs> thrilling, nor particularly dramatic, nor particularly exciting, well, or particularly shot. boring. It was it just was a series of scenes that happened before me. And I just, I didn't know how to feel about any of the characters. If I should like them, or if I was being asked to like them. Barnabas Collins has a lot of stuff that we would think to like. He's been wronged, and he wants to get that vengeance. And he really values his family. But he viciously... But he also <laughs> has no problem people. slaughtering people. The people who uh, unearthed his coffin, he apologizes. He says, you have no idea how thirsty I am. And he kills like eight people. Yeah, and there's like eight people that died right <laughs> yeah. at the beginning. He finds a van full of hippies and just oh. brutally slaughters them. The hippie scene is kind of funny, though. <laughs> it's I think great. That's, <laughs> he's it's talking great. to hippies and then he says, well, I am going to have to murder you all now. What, <laughs> man? But we're not asked to feel anything about any of this not the good not the bad like even the the whole history of the witch where his, his beloved is killed and he's turned into a vampire it's told in this sort of rushed preamble at the beginning of the movie and because we just met these characters it's hard to feel too big about it right can i can i say though that that preamble though it's it's well shot absolutely it's a Tim I, that, that first that yeah. first 10 minutes where they're kind of setting the story I think it's very atmospheric, yeah. and it, it gets you into the mood and kind of brings you into. It. I thought that was probably the best part of the movie. Yeah, um, it sort of promised a more interesting <laughs> film in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Nothing about the film was hilarious. Right, there were scenes that were you know you kind of snicker, but you also saw that part in the trailer. Yeah, uh, you know when he's confused, it's the fish out of water story with the the, the vampire in the seventies. Interesting that the fish out of water also runs a fishing company. But I don't know if that was intentional, but yeah, there's, I just don't, I don't understand. Like it's a star studded cast. Oh, the cast. Yeah. They put together a good cast for it. Chloe Great Smurettes is a really fucking irritating and difficult teenager. And you figure she's going through her typical teenage angst, but there's going to be a twist. I'll spoil it for you. Oh, she's a werewolf <laughs> and it doesn't matter. No, that, that was the one thing that I <laughs> If I had one gripe with the movie, it was that. Because she's a werewolf for three no minutes. And for no reason. And Why the, is she a werewolf? And the, th the throwaway line was, I'm a werewolf. Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. And then she fights and then she's thrown to the, the side. But I, I, in my defense, I haven't seen... I wasn't aware actually at first that this was based on a, a TV an old show. TV right. show. 
Uh, so I just went in thinking it was a, a feature film based on nothing. Burton but one, yeah. yeah, a Tim Burton movie. Jackie Earl Haley plays a drunk dude, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Johnny Lee Miller plays a greedy brother who, you know, he's got a really bad comb over and is super blatantly, openly shallow. In the same way that Barnabas is openly, lovingly, this guy, openly loving, this dude is openly shallow. So they're kind of interesting counterbalances. But he's just thrown away. He has nothing to do. He disappears halfway through the movie. So much to the point that you wonder why he was there to begin with. Same with Chloe Grace Moret. If she was cut entirely out of this movie, would you notice or miss it? Right, uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Her character has more to do the later into the movie it is, but mm-hmm. basically she's just drunk and pithy for the first hour <laughs> of the movie. Right, Michelle Pfeiffer's come out of retirement, and I'm glad that she's back making movies. Give her something to do, <laughs> right? She basically introduces the characters of the household, and that's it. What's her arc? Yeah. What does she contribute? And if it's all about Barnabas, I feel like I should know Barnabas more. I found it interesting, at least, that we had our hero of the movie, which is Barnabas. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly, but he's also flawed, (laughs) I guess is an understatement, because he does enjoy sucking blood out of people. He's a vampire. but uh, So you do have that conflict. Are we supposed to cheer for him, or are we to realize he's a a monster? And Uh, has he run mad from his several hundred years being buried alive essentially is that what's made him this because like it seems like his transformation into a vampire and his imprisonment happened very close together so yeah he's totally okay with being a vampire there's nothing in that transition that we get to see that he ever really loses sleep about the fact that in order to live he must kill you know like and there, there was a crazy sex scene that I wasn't <laughs> aware of when I watched this with the family I thought, oh, it's PG PG 13 it's fine it'll be good and uh, yeah, so he's he's obviously he's uh, swayed by the uh, the flesh by the the flesh. Sorry. <laughs> well, and here's what I want to say: Eva Green as uh, Angelique Bouchard, the witch and villain of the character uh, of the movie. You know, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Mm-hmm. I she was a really good villain in that like we wanted to see her punished and she was badass and yet you could believe her as a temptress because she's totally gorgeous too that's what you're not going to get with a tim burton movie is you know right away it's going to be well shot yeah i mean you know exactly how it's going to look and how it's going to sound and it's yeah and she looked good and when she started to turn at the end when her face started cracking and that that all looked good um I want to say the, the highlight for me was the cameo by Alice Cooper. Well, of course. I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan. Can't wait to see him in here in two months. But uh, um, anyways, yeah, he comes in. Great cameo. Plays, sings two songs there. At, uh, they have a party at the house and they hire Alice Cooper to do the entertainment because the do- teenage daughter is a big fan. Yeah, because uh, it was okay to like Alice Cooper and, in the 1970s. <laughs> and, of course, they have 70-year-old Alice Cooper in there playing you know, 20 21-year-old year old Alice Cooper with no attempt to cover up how old he is. But um, And it's fine. The songs he plays just fit in perfectly with montage when they explain the, the past and that. Um, I found it. I don't know. I, I really I, enjoy I it. I like me some Alice Cooper, too, but nothing's ever going to be this cameo in Wayne's World. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> like, one's a little different. He was... It was just perfect. It was just perfect. Uh, and, you know... Interesting it, note, though, that he plays, you know, his his, side, his gig now with Hollywood Vampires. Right. Where Johnny Depp actually is his guitarist. That's funny. So it's it's, it's kind of fun now. I guess I'm not sure if that's how this thing started or not. But, yeah, they're, they, they do cover songs now and play with Joe Perry with Aerosmith. And 
Um, I don't. I just thought it was kind of neat, but what this movie feels like is Tim Burton phoning it in, and Tim Burton phoning it in is usually more interesting than a lot of directors sort of firing at full capacity. Well, it's better than nothing. Right? It is better than nothing. But it's also kind of frustrating because, you know, this is a movie he could have made in his sleep. This is completely in his wheelhouse and it was easy, you know. It was... Uh, yeah, we got vampires, we got Johnny Depp, we've got Tim Burton. Let's go project, we're going to make our money back. And guess what? They didn't. And guess what? They deserved it. Yeah, and I think they wanted to make their money back because they hinted at a sequel with the yeah. last shot of the movie, too. And who knows, maybe a sequel would be more interesting if we didn't have so much set up to get to, but I kind of yeah. doubt it. No, this, I don't think this so. This seems just like a dead on arrival in a lot of ways. But again, not in a way that's like loudly bad or interestingly bad. It's just bland. It's just like, I'm not sure what this movie is, and I'm not sure if the movie knew what it was meant to be. It was just Tim Burton and Johnny Depp would be enough. The rest is decoration. Mm. And uh, it's frustrating to me because this amount of money, this amount of production, this amount of talent should have been able to, even at half energy, make a better movie than this. It's not bad. Yeah. It's just it's nowhere near the potential. And as you pointed out, this the whole werewolf scene. Going back to that again, that. yes, it's just so strange because this was a cli- there was during the climax of the movie when all of a sudden Chloe Moretz was revealed to be a vamp or a, a werewolf. But we had no indication of this before. There was no reason for us to believe that she, she was, would be a werewolf. There was no hints towards this. Yeah, and then she's a werewolf for three minutes, and then that was the end of that. And was that supposed to be a payoff? And what so are we they, yeah, to so feel said, about? "Oh yeah, I cursed her as a werewolf too." I forgot to mention that earlier, but it's it's that kind of thing that kind of took a little bit of the shine off. But yeah, I think if it was either funnier or scarier, I might be more on its time. It's like tone less. <laughs> I found it was a good Monday evening kind of movie to watch about six fifteen. You know, you're just finishing dinner. <laughs> And you're having it your after dinner Bailey's on ice. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of the other ones, I know this whole episode seems to be Larry's wishy-washy about a movie, but I honestly think, unless you're like a Tim Burton completist, Dark Shadows is worthy of skipping. I just, like, on the right day, R.I.P.D. will fit the bill, or even, like, Adam Family Values will fit the bill. Dark Shadows is probably just going to be kind of meh on any day. <laughs> I found it. It was okay to watch. It was it was enjoyable, I and mean, because it, the set design always looks nice with a Tim Burton movie. So um, I don't know. You got money to spend, and you've got amazing production design. And again, I think that's what makes it more disappointing because <laughs> they're just putting a you know I'm s- high retail makeup on a pig. <laughs> I think I'm starting to find a hard time distinguishing the characters that Johnny Depp plays. Maybe yeah, it's all kind of variations now. Hella quirk. And apparently, like, they, they spent the money weirdly, too. Like, some poor bastard had to go in and digitally remove all of Johnny Depp's blinks. If you watch the movie, oh. he doesn't blink ever. And during his performance, he just blinked normally. And some hmm. poor fucking special effects <laughs> guy had to go in and remove his That's blinks. That's his job. Can you imagine? Not, Not worth it. <laughs> Sam! <laughs> I have the best we could ever plan. James Franco's having a giant party. (laughs) This place is beautiful, man. This place is like a piece of me. You two just stepped inside me. You let us both come inside you. Yeah. 
Boom. Thanks, James Franco. Have you seen Michael Sarah tonight? What's up, Rihanna? Can't believe people still invite him places. Don't touch my bumper, yeah. bitch. It's a weird face. So hot. Office is urging people to stay in their homes right now. Looting, rioting. For all we know, the Lakers could have just won, and that's the reason why all this is happening. I think it's the apocalypse. It's all in here. And he opened the bottomless pit. The sinkhole? Every single time I turn on the news, sinkhole in South America, a bunch of South Americans getting sucked into the ground. Sinkhole in my ass. Son, we should just stay in here, fortify this bitch, and take inventory of all the food we have. We got 12 bottles of water, 56 beers, Nutella, CT Crunch, a Milky Way. Can I have that Milky Way? No, you can't have the Milky Way. It's my special food. I like it. I want some of the Milky Way. I'd be pretty bummed if I don't at least get a bite of the Milky Way. What you want, son? This is my king. This is my lane. Get out of the way. What you want, hun? Watson showed up. There are six of us. You cannot rob us. Hermione just stole all of our. So I was talking earlier about how you should be suspicious of a movie where everyone says everyone involved had a blast. It was just a bunch of friends getting together to make a movie. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely what This Is The End is. And over and above that, you have a bunch of Hollywood friends playing themselves, themselves. and taking the piss out of each other. And it, it's, it's an hour and 47 minutes long. And it's this, like, what would appear to be a super indulgent fantasy comedy that a bunch of rich people got to make to amuse themselves. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's fucking hilarious. And it, and it kind of is that, <laughs> yeah. but it, it totally works. It shouldn't work. Like, it, nothing about what I've just described to you should work, but it absolutely does. And uh, over and above that, uh, you know, appeal to my ca Canadian pride, it's basically about two expatriate Canadians whose uh, friendship is suffering the, their success in Hollywood. And they're trying to get back to who they were before, you know, Jay Baruchel and Seth Rogen became these big comedy superstars. Uh, so they're hanging out and eating you know, burgers and smoking weed. Smoking Jay's. Uh, and uh, they, Jay is dragged to a party at James Franco's house. Played by James Franco. And James Franco is played by James Franco very well. We mentioned that Seth Rogen is played by Seth Rogen. <laughs> I, always, I really like, too, that there's this, like, unspoken, passionate love that James Franco has for Seth Rogen. Like, <laughs> his like is a more than friends kind of like with Seth Rogen. So Jay Baruchel's kind of hating this and, you know, not feeling his friends, Hollywood people. He would rather just be hanging out with his buddy one-on-one. -on -one. And he's not interested in rubbing elbows with celebrities. He just wants to hang with his friend. And then a biblical apocalypse. <laughs> a giant sinkhole opens up behind the party. Many, many, many celebrities die brutal, mm -hmm. violent deaths. 
Special shout out to Michael Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> for really going out of his way to destroy the image of Michael Sarah. <clears throat> it's it's we... a lot of fun to watch, and the movie sort of settles down to a bunch of A and B level celebrities trying to survive a demonic apocalypse <laughs> in James Franco's mansion. <laughs> the movie is not very clear in its narrative. There just seems to be a series of chapters and misadventures yeah. that happens, and eventually it culminates in the judgment of our surviving characters. Some make the trip to the heaven above, and some fall do not. to hell. Um I I didn't watch this movie for quite a while because I was kind of suspicious of it because it did seem so indulgent. And I get, get tired of celebrities, you know, riffing on their own personas. It's just like, it's the easiest thing in the world to do, right? So uh, it way, 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 way overperformed for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I liked it a lot. I was already <laughs> in love with the movie. And then Daniel McBride entered, and it just went up another notch. I think I talked to, with you about this before. And when Danny McBride shows up, I think I uttered the words "fucking McBride." Yeah. He's what he passed out in the bathtub or something, and just He's... "fucking McBride," man. And he comes out just bad as shit, just like the fucking. It's funny because you. I got to stop on the Michael Sarah thing because every right. character in this movie plays. The same character that they always play, which is basically themselves. Right. I mean, because it's the self-indulgent thing where Seth Rogen, it's been, you always play the same character. He's the giddy stoner. Yeah, he's the happy stoner, giddy, he's friendly, everybody loves him, he's always, <laughs> yeah. right? And so he plays that, That well, that's who he is, because he plays that in every movie. And, and Jay Baruchel's really good at being exasperated, and what are we going to do now, oh my yeah. God, and, <laughs> right? And James Franco is the artist in the, <laughs> the and and. Jonah Hill's the pretentious. Jonah Hill, that, that's Jonah Hill after his Oscar nomination. Yeah. Where he gets a little pretentious with, uh, you know, pronouncing fatalities. There's been a lot of fatalities. <laughs> Danny McBride, he plays the same, he's a little bit of, uh, what's his, Kenny Power. Yeah. And every character, you know, the party guy, the story. Danny McBride is married with kids. In this movie, he plays the character Danny McBride always plays, just the party guy, the stone, the druggie, the hard-living guy. I love to. The... But Michael Sarah is the one guy who plays so out of type that yeah. it's it's hilarious. He's He always plays the nice guy that plays like 10 years younger than he really is. And in this movie, he's maybe a bigger asshole than Danny McBride. He's out on coke. And he's getting blowjobs in the bathroom by multiple prostitutes. Forces Christopher Mintz Platts to do cocaine for the first time. It's so against type that he's slapping Rihanna on the ass. And he's such a prick, even in his death. Yeah. He's getting stabbed by a... <laughs> screaming at everybody, who stole my fucking cell phone? <laughs> Who stole my phone? stabbed by a streetlight, hauled up into the air, and his phone goes off in his pocket. This is fucking embarrassing. <laughs> oh, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> but you have other guys show up in here for, like, moments. You Seconds. Have, uh, you have Kevin Hart's in there. Aziz uh, Ansari. Jason Seagal. Yep. The little who's who of Hollywood cameos just getting killed. And you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to hang out this party. This looks like a lot of fun. (laughs) But they keep the whole Hollywood thing going. The apocalypse is happening outside. Meanwhile, let's check out what's happening on the news. So let's turn on the TV. And, of course, James Franco's news house. The TV comes up from the floor. Everybody stops. All this panic is like, whoa. That's that's sweet, man. That's pretty cool. (laughs) That's that's awesome. awesome. (laughs) 
I also love the judgment of the Hollywood party. Like, before all the shit happens, all of the pure souls are shot up into heaven, right? In these huge blue shafts of light. And not none of them have one that person. House. Not one person in that house gets taken, right? None of them are worthy of salvation. And, uh, the, the worst of humankind are all our Hollywood celebrities, right? The great thing about when Danny McBride shows up is that we've already established they took inventory of all the food they had left in the house, and the first thing he does is he cook all up, the food. He's cook all of the food. He actually uses one of the last bits of bottled water to wash, wash his feet. feet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can't imagine a movie where more fun was had on set. I mean, watching some of these behind the scenes on this. It, it's like we're making a movie with our buddies and they're playing our buddies. So what we're doing is basically making fun of each other. Mm-hmm. And then we shoot the movie and we're making fun of each other. <laughs> so it's the same thing. But yeah, he's... it feels like the kind of movie that uh, me and my buddies would make if we had like a limited budget <laughs> and, uh, you know, too much to drink. <laughs> I'd say there's no limited budget here, though. Yeah. I think the set... Design the production on this they looks. Spent some money. <laughs> it looks fabulous. <laughs> that monster that attacks them when they go to the neighbor's house is pretty cool. The monster that chases them through the house, the whole the Hollywood Hills burning, the yeah. whole the whole city burning, the demon at the end, everything looks awesome. So much better than compared to R.I.P.D. Yeah, it it, it it's looks computer graphic, but it still feels tangible. Yeah, you're not looking at it's not a cartoon guy jumping on the wall. It it looks great. Um, and it's like the watch. It's a predominantly male cast. Yep. We do have one female show up for for a brief period. Emma Watson. <laughs> and, and for me, that's kind of the one the big moment of the movie. She becomes convinced that they're arguing over who gets to rape. Her. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, those, of me too, <laughs> one of these classic misunderstandings. I think Seth Rogen has the line in that movie where he says no it's actually funny we're talking about how we're not going to rape you but this movie will change your perspective of how you feel about Channing Tatum oh Channing taint young <laughs> Um, that's another great twist of the uh, Danny McBride character uh, he's sort of framed as lovable but he's actually quite ruthless he insists that he's allowed to, to come anywhere he wants in James Franco's house. And when they finally banish him and they give him a weapon, the first thing he does when they hand the weapon is he tries to shoot them all with it. When they meet him later, and this is maybe 48 hours after he's kicked out of the house, he's got this whole he's Mad Max leader. crew and he's this like cannibal leader. We're cannibals now! fucking awesome <laughs> uh, there's a lot of fun to be had in this I mean we're, we're laughing like idiots here but uh, you don't know what you're going to get moment for moment in the movie too like I said it doesn't have this clear structure or this clear goal other than after they get locked into the mansion to survive as long as possible and th- there is violence as well this oh, maybe yes. fits the, the horror aspect mo- more than some of the others on the list 
uh, when that guy gets decapitated that's at the front door. Which so is let the me thing in. that finally makes it real to McBride. Yeah. <laughs> he they, has to see his severed head. A severed head pops in through the door and they're kicking it around like a soccer ball. I think it's Jordan Hill. It says, guys, this is a severed head. We can't kick it around like a soccer ball. <laughs> but, I mean, the effects are good. There's there's blood. Um, there's an interesting little segment of Jonah Hill being possessed by a devil, which is quite a what, full what body you... burn as he's running through the house engulfed entirely mm. in flames. Yeah, that, that's a good effect. It's impressively mounted. And again, in the end, this whole over-the-top special effects spec- fantasy spectacle is basically circling around two Canadian actors who just want to be buds again. <laughs> And uh, through rekindling their friendship, they kind of redeem themselves and earn their ticket to heaven, which may lead to the only thing that I disagree with about the whole movie is <laughs> their vision of heaven is quite different than mine. <laughs> it's not quite the meaning of life. No, it isn't. <laughs> it's not Christmas in heaven. You have the Backstreet Boys on demand. But to each their own, I guess. We are to understand that for these characters, this is heaven. I mean, this 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 is the kind of movie that turns into a review of my favorite part exactly. is when this happens. Well, my favorite part is when this happens. But for me, I mean, be aware this is a hard R. Yeah, don't watch this with your mom. This is not your your mom's not going to like this. She won't understand it. Um, your kids probably should not see it as well, unless they're really fucking cool. But. Um, Depending, the scene for me that defines this movie, whether or not you're going to like this movie or not, is the scene where James Franco is yelling at Danny McBride for ejaculating on what they know. As far as they know, it's the last porno magazine on earth. They take inventory of all the food, all the water. We got all seven bottles of water. We got three bags of weed. Yeah. We got uh, three packs of bacon, one Milky Way bar, yeah. and one porno magazine. And the biggest issue in the house, first of all, it's, it's the Milky Way. Well, I want the Milky Way. Craig Robinson, we didn't mention him. He's yeah, also a main character great. in this as well. Yeah. yeah. Seth Rogen says, yeah, Craig Robinson's going to be there. Well, I don't know him. Why? Well, he's hilarious. Really sweaty. He he's good guy. a lot, but he's a good guy. <laughs> good guy. <laughs> but yeah, the Milky Way bar, but then there's this one porno magazine, which as far as they know, as I said, it's it could be the last porno magazine on earth. The scene that sets whether or not you're going to buy into this movie and like it is the scene that follows... Someone's ejaculated on James Franco's magazine. And we know who it's it is. Danny McBride. Of course, it's Danny McFucking Bride. He's fucking McBride. <laughs> who ejaculated on my magazine? I don't think ejaculated is the word. But uh, what what proceeds from that is an argument about how I will. I can come <laughs> wherever I want. I'm gonna come here and there. <laughs> And in the background, you see Seth Rogen clearly holding in yeah, laughter, looking that. away from the camera. <laughs> yeah. You can see that clip on YouTube. Watch that clip. If that's not for you, then don't watch this movie. If you can watch that and say and have a laugh, then I say, yeah, you're, you're going to have fun with this movie. There's just a lot of scenes that are just, why not? Like the video diaries. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Rogen pisses into his own mouth for a scene. <laughs> It's just so fucking crazy. I guarantee you that that video camera sequence was all just put there to justify that one fucking <laughs> gag. And everything else, everybody just took a turn. So in the end, it's the rapture. Yeah. Everyone's getting called up to heaven or left on earth to, to battle it out. 
And we, we kind of so, have to learn the rules. How you, If you've been left behind, you're not a pure soul. You're not good enough to go to heaven, but you're not instantly bad enough for hell. So you could redeem yourself. How you, how you spend your dying moments are critical. Craig Robinson teaches us that it is possible to redeem yeah. yourself. So he, he does something selfless. Yeah. And so he gets raised up to heaven and he say, oh, look at this, guys. It worked. So everyone else figures, well, we got to do something nice. So I think it's James Franco. <laughs> First they just offers start to himself be up. nice to each other. Yeah. That's a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why isn't this working? So Franco <laughs> does something nice for the group. And the blue light shines upon him. And he gets ascended up to heaven. And while he's going up, he gives the finger to everyone. Yeah, fuck you. Suck my dick, McBride. (laughs) And the blue light goes away. And he suffers a brutal death. It's like, why could you not not be a dick for one moment? That's, again, unfortunately, you just have to have that one moment where you kept your fucking mouth shut. And it was the difference between eternal happiness and death at the hands of cannibals. (laughs) And, of course, the McBride crew eats him. But the pretentiousness of it, of the whole Hollywood group, I think, works, and it's kind of fun. Um, it feels genuine, too. Like, they're, they're, they are a part of Hollywood, but they're making fun of Hollywood, but, like, in a sort of believable, almost sort of deserved way. But I have to say that the friendship narrative kind of works. <laughs> when, like... They have to, you know, let go of each other in order to save each other. Uh, they say goodbye, and I'm sorry I've been keeping you back. Like, there is an emotional payoff, however <laughs> stupid, to that mo- to, to the movie. And that they manage that on top of the rapture, and on top of Jonah Hill being fucked in the ass with a giant dildo. Yeah, you didn't and, talk about that enough. You need to talk about that scene more, I think. On top of the monsters and the severed heads and the ejaculation... <laughs> The emotional core of the movie. You've got everything in this movie. Right? But, and the emotional core of this movie works. It's like I recently reviewed Armageddon, the Michael Bay movie. And it's like, Jeez. the movie was terrible and it was pissing me off. But I might have just sort of shrugged it off as a so bad it's good type of thing. Until they tried to play at my heartstrings. <laughs> and then I was like, fuck you. Right? <laughs> This kind of worked. I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet. Those two Canadian friends are friends again. <laughs> and they've repaired their friendship. Go and now Canada. they can go to heaven and dance to the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Everybody! <laughs> yeah. Well, again, my idea of heaven is different than theirs. But other than that, I have no complaints <laughs> with this is the end. It's... And uh, I'm surprised. So pleasantly surprised to be saying that. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's fun. for being here on this very special occasion Mr. Scott Lehman um, and uh, hopefully hopefully you're not going to feel like this trip was wasted <laughs> um, 
But I gotta know, uh, what was your least favorite of these six genre comedies? Oh, nothing. No, just tell me. What oh, was your okay. least favorite? Oh, nothing. Okay, I'm gonna go around and I'm gonna rank them. <laughs> uh, let's see here. No, yeah, number six. I, I have to put nothing. Number six and five, I kind of toss back and forth a little bit just because nothing took a shot. Yeah. It took a shot at the dartboard and, and missed. And for me, it was the most... It was it was a chore to get through, so I have to put it six. In, in the end, a movie has to entertain me, and it it didn't do its job, so I have to put it six. Um, number five, the Adams Family Values I found was unnecessary. Didn't really offer much more than a. It felt like a Saturday morning cartoon. It was fine to eat while you're, or sorry, it's fine to watch while you're eating cereal. Yeah. Um, at the end, you got to do something else though. Okay. Number four made it up to RIPD. I'm surprised it got up to number four, actually. I, I don't know how it got that high. It, it's The CGI on it really, really took me out of it. Right. Because as soon as it started, I felt there's no stakes. These are cartoon characters. The villains are all cartoon characters. Um, and I've seen this movie before. But uh, in the end, I guess it had more entertainment value maybe than, than Adam's Family. I don't, I don't know. The three and four are very close. Right. On a different day, they might be in a different place. I'm going to say, spoiler alert, I really don't think we're going to match today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> number three, I put, Dark Shadows made it all the way to number three, though. Um, because I've, I found it kept my attention as kind of all over the map it was. It was never really super funny uh, as far as the comedy goes. I think anything that was kind of funny was already seen in the trailer. Uh, the strong songstress in the TV reveal yourself I mean, yes. that that kind of stuff it's all it's all in montages which were the the humorous moments um, but it looked good it kept my attention and uh, I didn't look at my phone once okay. so <laughs> that's gonna that's be a gl- that's a glowing review I didn't look at my phone I'm gonna put the watch at number two because right. it did its job it made me laugh I'm not proud of myself that it made me laugh but it did that. There's something to be said for a movie that exceeds your expectations. You know, sometimes I just got to be stupid. Yeah. And and say, you know what? This movie's stupid, but it makes me laugh. Yeah. And in the end... Uh, it did. And this is the end of the podcast. <laughs> so this is the end is the number one movie. Uh, there's, there's too much... There's too much fun to be had in this movie. There's countless scenes that we haven't even talked about yet that uh, are popping in my head right now that it's also, just stand out. It's one of those movies where I could understand people seeing it and saying, that looks stupid. I'm not watching that. And it's totally, totally worth watching. There's no reason that this movie had to look as good as it did. Right. Because it, it's so silly that they could have got away with Monty Python type effects yeah. but they they went all out and the apocalypse looks really good in it yeah we get to uh, see a demon gets a dick cut off <laughs> <laughs> we do so in case that was missing in your life you now know where to go <laughs> yeah uh that's i gotta land on that that's my ranking well that's a pretty good list um you were right we did not match <laughs> no. we did not go six for six or zero wouldn't. for six um, I think there's only one movie that we guessed me maybe dramatically differed on, but maybe I'm just being too hard on it or you're being too kind to it. But let's start where we agree. We agree on nothing. We agree on nothing. <laughs> no, I, uh, again, I, I, I want to be sitting here saying, 
another successful hit for Vincenzo. And I'm glad that he and his buddies had friend making the making this, and I hope they didn't lose too much money out of the deal. But this wanted to be a short film, and stretching it into a feature did not do it any favors. And again, it it feels bland. It feels like nothing. It's a flavorless yeah. mint. Like if it had if it had a punchline, if it went somewhere, if it had a point, then I would be saying oh, points for trying something else different. But this really is nothing. And it really wasn't on purpose. And like you, I like to give things a chance. Yeah. It's like, you know what? This was made with love. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I'm cheering for it as it goes. If I genuinely thought but, it worked, I would probably be bugging people to watch it. Right? And I thought, you know what? Maybe there's something I'm missing. I yeah. almost watched this whole thing a second time. I think, you know what? Larry's going to put this number one. Like, I got to look at this again. I looked at, you know, seeing again, a behind the scenes thing. I thought, you know what? No, I can't. It I just, can't. It just doesn't get there, sadly. But... Surprising to you all the way in fifth place is where I put Dark Shadows. Yeah. I think that the talent involved in this film alone should have made it more than the, than it was. Um, and if Johnny Depp and Tim Burton really were had some genuine affection for the source material, I really didn't feel it. It kind of felt paint by numbers to me. It just felt like the next Johnny Depp, Tim Burton movie. There was a time where you could get excited about the Johnny Depp, Tim Burton movies, and you'd be right to. <clears throat> I personally am a big fan of Ed Wood. I'm, I will defend Sleepy Hollow, even though it's a terrible sure. adaptation <laughs> of the story. It's a hilariously over-the-top and bloody movie, you know? But he'll also do these really fucking weird ones. We didn't need that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, you know, remake. And for me, I didn't really need this. This was just not essential viewing for me. This was not the best use of these talents to my mind and my level of disappointment maybe makes it rank artificially low but i put it all the way in fifth place fair enough all the way in fourth place i'm putting adam's family's values uh and again i don't hate the movie in fact i did laugh a few times i think joan cusack did a good job with her over-the-top villain and i think it's fine for what it was but with every year that goes by, that it just seems less relevant or necessary. I think so. So there's always probably going to be a more interesting movie to watch on a given night than Adam's Family <laughs> Values. So way to go ranking all the way. I think time. 15 years ago it would have been maybe a place higher. I guess because, again, I was late to the party with RIPD. I just uh, I didn't hate it as much as everyone else. And over and above that, I didn't understand the level of the hate that it got. I didn't it's, know it had that much hate. Yeah, it's not great, but it's not awful. It's just, you know, familiar and easy. Like, nobody was stretching themselves to make this movie, and it seemed like few risks were being taken, which is why I'm sure everybody was really confused that the box office didn't pay off in this so critics. You, so you have that at third. Is that That's what I had. That's no, a, I had fourth. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know when I seen the trailer for that, I felt like I've seen this already. How? Why are they releasing this movie? I've already seen. Yeah, but and that and that's that's sort of the cynical, you know, that's suit logic. That's like if we have A plus B equals profit, and they were wrong in this one for some reason. RIPD did not equal profit. <laughs> but again, like I said, I think generally speaking, people are too mean to it, but. I don't, yeah, want, I, I think, don't want to oversell it. I thought either. it went out without a whimper. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know there was that much. It kind of came and kind of went. It, it lost like, money. They spent quite a bit of money on it, and it didn't perform the way yeah. it should. But 
Um, so the surprise of the list for me is number two, The Watch. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, no, again, this exact same thing that I was just complaining about. Like, but nobody in this movie stretched themselves with their roles. Nobody was going to reinvent the reel or, like, really transform themselves and disappear into the characters, right? Well, it's funny. They played themselves, but they <laughs> didn't give themselves the same character names as this at the end. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, you got to shoot the demons in the penis and the, the violence is surprisingly, you know, harsher than you would expect it to be. And the cast is way stronger than a movie of this type deserves. But somehow the sum total ends up being more than, than the sum of its parts. You know, it, it works surprisingly well. Um, I expected very little of it and it overperformed. But by a large margin, I'm going to say number one, this is the end. None of the other films in the race really were that close to it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, again, how this movie ages. Um, yeah, with a movie, especially like, uh, you know, Adam's Family Values, it's almost like 25, 30 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it would make sense that, that it's been a little bit tarnished with age. <clears throat> Who knows what I will think of this is the end when it's 25 years yeah. old. No, it depends right what... now, today, I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it is. It depends on what these guys do in the future because they play themselves. <coughs> yeah. You know, because it's, maybe it's not as funny if 10 years from now we're saying, well, who the hell is James Franco? Yeah. Who's Craig Robinson? Who's... Uh... But again, it's not really winking and necessarily making... Well, I guess they, they bug James Franco for his Spider-Man movies and a few yeah, lines yeah. like that, or the Pineapple Express sequel. Oh, you didn't even talk about the Pineapple <laughs> Express 2 trailer they make. Yeah. Brilliant this stuff. This movie's got everything and the kitchen sink. So yes, it's the number one. Well, and, and spoiler alert, the part, the part of the reason why I chose this list is just for an excuse to watch This is the End again. <laughs> um, so it, it was a heavy favorite going in for me, but... But unfortunately, it had the bitter after effect of having to also watch nothing. (laughs) But at least we know that we'll never watch nothing again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's the gift that keeps on giving. After all of this hate that I've been throwing, I do want to restate, I am a fan of Vincenzo Natale. I think he's a good director, but... This movie just didn't work for me. And especially Canadian independent horror film. Yeah. If you don't support Canadian <laughs> independent film, you're probably a rapist. Probably a bad person. You're a bad person. For sure, at yeah. least, yeah. If you don't support low-budget Canadian independent film, you're a monster. You know who doesn't support Canadian independent film? Who? Donald Trump. Donald Trump, yeah. He, he hates, hates Canadian it. film. <laughs> He's going to add tariffs on <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Good enough. And so it was, another fun-filled episode of Rank and Review sadly must come to an end. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know that I did, and I hope you have some feedback for me. Uh, you can send that to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Please spread the word about Rank and Review, and please spread the word about Book of Trespasses. As always, this is your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons saying thank you so much for listening to Rank and Review. And we will be back in two short weeks.
<laughs> so I'm sitting in my backyard with my very, very, very dear friend, Karen Lehman. And I'm turning a little down. My name's not Karen Lehman. <laughs> Karen Wiesa, but Lehman to me. <laughs> I'm sitting in my backyard with my dear friend Karen Wiesa, if we must. Uh, the day after we watched the screening of Book of Trespasses, I was hoping to have her chime in with the uh, podcast with Scott and I, but I got her in my backyard, and I want to I wanna get her on my podcast because Karen is largely responsible for my problems with horror. When we were way too young for it, we were watching, like, Prom Night 2, Hello Betty Lou, <laughs> and like the Evil Dead franchise, really, really under-supervised <laughs> by our parents. So, uh, Karen, welcome to the podcast. I just wanted to uh, include you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little awkward. What is your favorite horror movie? Why? Book of Trespasses. Yay! Because I'm in it. No, <laughs> because my best friend Larry and brother wrote and co-directed it, and it's fucking awesome. Can I say that? You can say whatever you want on my yeah. podcast. Well, so far right now, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> okay, I'll no. take that. I I don't I couldn't. <laughs> Otherwise, no. And we're indoctrinating your daughter into the horror franchise. Didn't you say you took your ten-year-old to a quiet place? Yes. So she the, says, horror movies is my life. That's my kid. <laughs> the cycle of abuse continues. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I feel you're a little bit uncomfortable, but I just wanted to get you for just a minute on the podcast because you're a big part of my life and you're a big part of the reason the show exists. I'm super proud of you and this film and proud to be here, proud to be your friend. So thank you. Thanks, Karen. Bye. <laughs>